hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Shut up and sit down. All right, we got a great podcast for you today talking about raising your kids in the outdoors, talking to a great couple of guys that we had just a blast recording this one. But first, you know, I just want to thank the listeners for actually listening. You know, I did mention uh, we were trying to increase our reviews going from 41, um, and I think we're at like 44 now. So I appreciate the three of you that uh, that actually did listen and, and increase that. Um, you know, if you if you haven't given us a review or rated us on whatever platform it is that you're listening on. That really helps us reach new people. Um, so I really, really do appreciate that. And we are now up over a thousand followers on Facebook. Uh, Colin Pellegrin, uh, down in Louisiana, he was, uh, the 1000 Facebook, uh, follower and uh, he actually did sign up for patreon patreon as well so i sent him some koozies and uh the last hat that i had um and you know so we really appreciate that colin patreon really helps us to keep up um the show going as we would like to and it allows us to you know uh grab new gear and and stuff like that to review uh just threw up a review on the youtube um channel that we've got um on the new XOP evolution stand. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy scrutiny over, uh, these new stands that are coming out and the weights and advertised weights. Um, so I did an unboxing, uh, I was at work, so I threw everything on the shipping scale. Um, so go over and check that out. We're at like 89 followers. We're hoping to be up, uh, around a hundred by, uh, September 1st. Um, and you know, our Patreons, they, they also, are helping us, uh, you know, we're going to get a, a webcam here and get everything set up so that we can start streaming. So we'll be streaming our podcast live on YouTube here, uh, probably starting in the middle of September is, is my goal. Um, and then that'll go right up on to, to our YouTube. So, you know, subscribe over there, check that out and kind of see what we've got going on. And, um, you know, for that, we, would like to give back to our Patreon. So I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do it right now, whether I'm going to do one giant big hunting package or if I'm going to do it, uh, separately, but I do have one of those XOP evolution stands to give away, um, as well as a set of Vanguard binoculars, a set of, uh, four of the tethered, uh, mini versus straps. And I'm going to be doing a review on those here coming up real quick on, on YouTube. That'll probably be up, um, in the next week or so. Um, so I've got the stand, uh, Vanguard binoculars, uh, a set of uh, Vanguard 10 by 42 Oros binoculars and a binocular harness for gear rack. Um, so, you know, if you guys aren't a, a Patreon patron and you're getting some value from the show, um, you know, that really does help us and it helps us do kind of uh, some of the things like day-to-day things, but man, it really helps us 
um, you know, when trying to get the information out and, and stuff like that. And uh, we're, we're doing our best to give back, you know, so if you get value from, from what we're doing, you know, take a look over there and, and, you know, consider it and, you know, think about it. And if not, no problem. It's, uh, it, it's not why we do this. Uh, we do this because we love to do it stuff that we're doing anyways. We've met so many cool people through this process and uh, continue to do so. And uh, two of those cool people are on the podcast today, uh, Nick and Tim talking about raising their kids outdoors. So um, take a listen and uh, sit back and enjoy. Thanks for tuning in. Hey everybody, Adam back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicle podcast. John's out doing John things, you know. I am up here at the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Rendezvous in Baldwin, Michigan, sitting in a camper here. It's the Spirit of America with uh, a guy you might know from the Hunt of Our podcast, Nick Otto, as well as Tim Clark. Um, he's the guy that does all of the Michigan saddle demos. Uh, you may have seen him on uh, uh that that video platform youtube with hang time you know he's got some things going out there this is his he's a podcast virgin this is the first time one thing i have noticed about these saddle hunting guys is they are all really short i have not met a a tall one yet so i think that might be (laughs) let's get that right it's vertically challenged okay uh, we are mobile friendly (laughs) (laughs) we're always we're in that lightweight impeccable category right yeah, I appreciate it. I'm the, the heavy duty, but I'm still in the short category. So, yeah. There's a saddle for everything. Exactly. The corgi corgi version. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've been up here, you know, talking for, for quite some time. And, uh, you know, so I have a, a three-year-old daughter who's just kind of, you know, following along with dad and grandpa. You know, she sees what we're doing. She's like, dad, are you going to do a podcast? Are you going to the Bowman's Club? Like... She told me the other day she was going to an elk calling competition, um, and she could most certainly beat me if if John was here. She he would he would say yeah that's it's a pretty uh, cool video yeah we, we've seen it yeah so um, but we were talking about like getting kids into hunting and like how the the hunter retention um, kind of moving on to that next generation. These guys have you know uh, a seven on seven football team full of kids uh, if you, <laughs> if you put them together. Um, not quite a baseball team and, and they've been at it different, different stages, uh, in their lives, different, different eras of kids. So I, I kind of want to have that conversation about, uh, kids and hunting and, and kind of, you know, when to start them, how to do that. So with, with my family, um, you know, obviously I lean more towards the bow hunting thing, but I'm, uh, self-proclaimed like gun nut. Like I love guns, um, but the hunting side with guns for me, it just doesn't do it for me because I gr- I didn't grow up hunting big bucks. And, and that's something like at this point, as I start to do the big buck hunting, I start to move into that. Like, I think, man, I could these bucks that I'm seeing with my bow, like I could kill them with a gun. But d- it almost feels like dirty. I don't know. It's like it's a it's a it's a I don't know. I, it's I'm, my mind is changing on it and I totally respect like that style of the goal is to get them on the wall and to, to kill them and to figure them out. Uh, but I'm still right on the, the archery path, but with my family. So I'm the oldest, my sister is the youngest and she happened to have the first child. Well, because of me being who I am, when 
she had that kid to stir things up or whatever. I said, well, for her first birthday, Uncle Adam is going to get her the Rossi 20-gauge uh, 22 combo, Ooh. right? Because at that age, the child has no idea that they even got a present. The parent, now the cards are in their hand. If they want to bring them into it, they can. If not, they don't have to. So you're playing the long game. Well, but, like but the thing, I mean, my mom was in tears. She's a city girl. We never owned anything with a motor that didn't cut the grass, uh, you know, until I was old enough to buy it myself. So it was just, we were, and I, we grew up on five acres across the street from a farm. Everybody had four wheelers and horses and all sorts of stuff. If I wanted to go somewhere, I was getting a lawnmower. Because that's the only thing that I had with a motor that was that was going anywhere. Yeah, you but, had to earn your allowance at that yep. point. And I think eight years old, five years old, I got a, a compound bow in my Easter basket. I got a BB gun at eight and a shotgun at ten. So it wasn't like lost on me. I mean, we were out shooting things we shouldn't be shooting as soon as we could. Um, we didn't have cable. I told somebody that at work. <laughs> I was like, "That's why I'm so outdoorsy." Like, I was can't not be indoorsy. <laughs> right. exactly. was like, if the president was on, well, dang, the whole night was spent. Right. So, for me, that was you know, twelve years old. There was no youth season. There was no anything. So, that's kind of like my background, and we've we've carried that tradition through all of the the grandkids, nieces, and nephews, whatever. Like, you get a kid, the first birthday, they're getting. A Rossi combo, like the boys get 12 gauges and the girls get 20 gauges or four tens. And they're getting surprisingly harder and harder to find. I think the first girl is the only one that's got one like that's in a a different color than black. Um, You know, I think she got a green one because the pink ones weren't available. So that's just the way that it is. And my daughter just sees what I'm doing, you know. So when I had a, a child... We didn't find out if it was going to be a boy or a girl. And I was like, I know it's going to be a girl because I'm an asshole. Um, I'm very masculine and I'm going to be tested um, with a girl. And when I did have a girl, everybody's like, you're going to turn her into a tomboy. She's going to. And now my daughter shoots bows, rides four wheelers. Calls elk, calls turkeys, hunts, uh, spots deer with binoculars. Uh, but dad does ballet, cartwheels, handstands, dance parties, songs, dances, princess parties. I'm um, Prince, everybody, whoever's the newest Disney movie. Um, As you should. So, uh, pics or it didn't happen? Uh, there's, there's plenty. <laughs> there's a pic of me out there somewhere in a leopard skin dress, fishnet, uh, Stop drawing Thanks. pictures in my mind. I'm just saying, I'm a size 14. <laughs> if anybody Saturday. is, uh, if anybody's looking to buy me something, I'm size 14 in a women's dress. Just all right. I'm a little chesty for it, but it's uh, one of those things. Um, but getting her, my daughter has uh, self-imposed rules. I asked her, you know, when do you want to start hunting, or when do you think you can go hunting with dad? And she said, I can sit with you when I'm five. 
and I can go by myself when I'm 12. And that kind of goes to the old school of you had to be 12 to small game hunt, you had to be 12 to archery hunt. Um, And so we've had some conversations with these two um, with their journeys, with with their children, and um, kind of with this new world of apprentice hunting, uh, youth seasons, uh, things like that. Um, so I, I just want to kind of have that discussion on the next generation, uh, past us and, you know, Tim and I may possibly be two generations removed from the people listening to this podcast. So it may be even a a further generation yet. Right. So, I mean, so what is your guys' experience? I mean, how many kids do you have? What are their ages and, and how have you introduced them into hunting? Yeah. So I'll start. I'm. This is Tim. Um, I've got four kids. They are currently 13, 12, 9, and 8. Um, the oldest is a girl. The other three are boys. And um, my goal with each of them has been to introduce them to hunting, basically from the first time that they could whisper. So about two years old. And each one of them has been at different levels of capabilities when it comes to their whispering. But, um, you know, none of them were like, hey, I'm going to take you out and I expect that we're going to be dead silent and you're going to do exactly what I think you should do. It was. It's always just been, all right, I'm going to take you out there in the nicest weather. So usually that's October. That's the middle of October when everything is still sort of nice out, you know. And I, at that point, they were, you know, each of them were two, throw them in a backpack, carry them out to the back 40, had a nice little food plot set up with a nice little funnel that fed out of a bedding area. And it was usually a good spot to see some deer. And um, so they all got to experience that from a very young age. And they've all grown up knowing sort of where their food came from. They all have known that that's what I love to do. And it's just a part of life. So they've never really had a moment where it went from like a transition of, I didn't understand what hunting was to what is hunting, right? So they've just grown up with it. They've always understood that, you know, in the fall, if I'm not in the woods, I'm a little bit grumpy and uh, they're going to have a chance to participate. Well, now that they're a little bit older, they've gotten to the point where they're all in various stages of what they're willing to do and what they're passionate about. And so trying to figure out each one of their personalities and how to connect that with the outdoors has become sort of my life's mission when it comes to connecting with my passion. And, uh, you know, I think we're all that way. We all have this hunting passion. I mean, right now, currently we're sitting at the backcountry hunters and anglers rendezvous in Michigan. Right. And, um, it's clearly something that we're passionate about. I, I want that to be contagious to my kids. I don't necessarily expect that it's going to be contagious to them because everybody has their own personalities and their own path in life to choose. Um, but my goodness, it's such a, it's a fun opportunity to expose them to it and see if it sticks. Um, so trying to raise the kids outdoors, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, you talk about, uh, Hey, I didn't have cable when I was growing up. Well, my kids don't have cable. They're growing up, right? They're, they're definitely not indoorsy kids. We sort of free range parent a little bit. And um, we live back in the woods and have a really nice spot where the kids can shoot their bows outside every day. And um, they can shoot their BB guns and kind of roam free and discover things outside. And, and it really, it plays well into what I love to do. So with my daughter, um, 
she's obviously being a girl, she's she's got her own personality that's completely separate from the boys, and she's been sort of on a different wavelength when it comes to what she's willing to do and what she wants to do. So I encourage her to do what she's passionate about. And uh, she loves to be outdoors with us, but she loves to video more than she loves to actually shoot or kill anything. She has, you know, she's 13 now and she has not actually hunted with a weapon in the woods. Um, But she's been out on quite a few and she's ran the camera on quite a few while her brother has killed a few of them and, you know, a few deer. And um, she's, she was actually born deaf in one ear. So she really protects the other one. And um, so she doesn't want to shoot a gun. So she's always said her first year, she wants it to be with a bow. She wants to just bow hunt. And uh, so actually this, this last winter, I bought her her first real bow that is capable of, of she can actually hunt with it. Um, she's used some kind of kid bows. And what's that bow set up for people? Yeah. That are... So, um, so for her, you know, it's kind of funny. You, you can find so many youth bows these days and um, there's, pretty much every brand out there makes one. Well, she found what she feels best with, and um, it's actually a PSE mini burner. And, of course, I decked it all out in pink accessories and everything because that's what a good dad would do, you know, right? <laughs> and uh, so she's got her her uh, gold tip Ted Nugent pink zebra stripe arrows, and, you know, she's she loves it, you know, and it's really cool. It's fun to watch her shoot, and uh, she's both her and her, her younger brother, Ben, they're, you know, he's a year younger and, um, he's been shooting same as her, you know, little kid Walmart bows, you know, since they could first start flinging arrows down, down range. Well, I picked him up a, uh, a diamond infinite edge this year. And uh, that's just been super cool because the two of them have kind of gone through this journey that I've sort of been able to coach them through into the next level of sort of getting involved with the actual sport of of hunting not just going out in the woods with dad but doing all the legwork the practice the shooting every day and everything and you know they've been really engaged with that i've you know pulled in other resources you know and sort of engaged them with watching you know john dudley's school of knock and going through the paces with them and so they're working on foot placement and they're working on you know their their anchor points and level in the bow and you know all the stuff that john does a really good job coaching with that's been super valuable and they've latched onto it and um to the point where i feel like they're you know they're pretty effective with it and now when we get out in the woods you know we shoot almost every day in the backyard or in the barn i've got a couple of target ranges set up and and they actually are they're going through the motions and it means something to them you know and to me I think it's the most important thing that I can do as a as a dad, as an outdoorsman, as a hunter, um, because really there's no better purpose that we have um, when it comes to hunter retention than to train up the next generation and sort of sacrifice what we would consider our own time. You know, my time to me it's valuable. If I didn't have them, yeah, I would definitely be shooting my own bow more. I would be scouting more. I would be, you know, doing a whole lot more online scouting i would be you know whatever it would be i'd be devoting my time to something else but um i've sort of gotten to the point where i feel like there's more value in sacrificing my own ambitions my own you know feelings of like i want to i clearly i want to find the best spots and the biggest bucks and and get after them but i've got to sort of push that aside because 
if we don't do this stuff with the kids that are right in front of us, it's really evident that our numbers are dwindling. And I've got four of those numbers, you know, that I can influence really well. Um, I feel like I'd be failing if I didn't do that, you know, and it's just been, it's been a fun journey because it's a mind shift for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got to think about, okay, I'm not obviously going to go walk two miles deep in a swamp somewhere. Not that we all do that every day, but let's face it. If you found that's where the bucks were at, you're probably going to go that way. But, you know, so you find yourself looking at things a little bit differently. You know, how am I going to climb a tree with a kid? I'm going to do things differently. You know, being a saddle hunter, you know, and there's, that's kind of a growing populace right now. Um, but I'm really big into mobile hunting and saddle hunting and, my climbing method has to be a little bit different when I'm by myself versus when I'm with kids. So I'm sort of, you know, working on that, keeping that in mind. So as I climb, how can I get them up there? And gosh, I haven't found a better way to hunt with a kid than face-to-face hanging in two separate saddles. You know, you can communicate really well and coach them really well. And, you know, I run a video camera and just kind of capture the memories and stuff. And uh, they love it. They absolutely love it. You know, they think it's the most fun thing in the world. You know, kids, they love hammocks, right? That's a big thing. Kids just, apparently that's a thing. Hammocking, you know, that's been around for a little while. They just hang a hammock up and lay there. To me, that's like, that's boring as can be, but they think of it the same way. Mine, they, they love it. They'll sit in that little hammock and just love it all day long, you know? So with my, my boy, Ben, the last couple of years, he's been, getting more and more into it and uh, this last fall he actually was he was able to sort of be pretty mobile with me we went pretty deep into some public land and and hung in some pretty nasty weather and i've actually got some some really cool pictures to show it but i mean this little guy just smiling the whole time happy as can be and you know you, you talk about being able to be engaged with your kids he can't go anywhere else he's disconnected from a phone <laughs> You know, like, yeah, he's got, you know, my old phone, he uses it kind of like an iPod, you know, so occasionally during the long sets, he'll, he'll sit there and play some games on it or whatever. I think we all, that's part of what we do. We get set up and then start scrolling through Facebook and Instagram and whatever and, you know, posting selfies. Got to train him how to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Right. But no, I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of value there because um, it's one-on-one time. And I don't think we get enough chances to to actually have that that's sort of unadulterated. There's no other thing that's going to get in the way. You know, when you're tethered into a tree and you're hanging there, it's not like he's going to wander off. No. Sort of a captive audience, right? And, uh, well, you have a lot of chance to really teach why you're where you're at, you know, how you got there, what sign led you to there, what's, you know, what can you expect and where should you expect it? And, uh, you know, you're teaching them the basics of hunting. Right. And uh, not all kids are going to be the same or be able to accept that at the same age. Um, for instance, like Ben, you know, I gave him his first BB gun when he was six and that little sucker just took to it like a fish to water. And he was picking off cattails around the pond. He was shooting cans in the yard, you know, whatever he could set up to shoot at. He just shot like crazy. So when it came time to sight in rifles, getting ready for the fall, he was shooting the 22 while I was sighting in my 3030 30 and my OT6 and stuff. And then it was the 223, and he was pretty good, you know. 
So I got him dialed in. He was six years old when he killed his first deer, you know. Nice doe walked in, 28 yards, head down, feeding in the trail, and he shot her. She ran 80 yards and tipped over, and it was cool, you know. And he's just been on fire since. And um, he's a different bird than the rest of them, you know. My other two boys are now eight and nine, and uh, Nolan, he was, I think he was seven when he killed his first one with a crossbow. And uh, that was pretty cool, you know. But with a gun, he hasn't showed the, you know, the willingness to sit out there in the colder weather and, you know, really stick it out. But bow season was great for him. And then last year, you know, my youngest, William, he was he was seven. And uh, he shot a nice doe. And uh, they're all at different levels, you know. And, and it took until basically, you know, the end of season until I felt like he was ready to get out there. Um but I think that that really adds to the value of what we have as a hunting community, right? When we can connect with kids before they drop off, because face it, you know, by the time they get to be teenagers, I think we lose a really good opportunity to connect with them in a way that, um, you know, when they're younger, they listen to every word that you say, for the most part. I mean, they, they really hang on that. But by the time they start getting into those teenage years, if you haven't hooked them, you've lost them in one way or another. And that's kind of my mindset is what can we do as hunters? You know, what can I do as a dad to connect with my kids? But, you know, we should all be doing that. I think, you know, like if you don't have your own kids, you should be trying to find a way that you can, you can be a positive influence inside of what we do as hunters, as you know, hunters and fishermen, outdoorsmen, whatever, to connect with the next generation. Because with, if we don't, they're gone, you know, it's, it's imperative, you know, because numbers are dwindling. That's that's a fact, you know. And if if You're, we let it continue, you know, they're, they'll they drop off real fast. You know? Exactly right. Um, yeah, I got at the Otto household. We're three three boys strong. It's more of a <laughs> tribe than a family right now. You know, <laughs> you can't expect uh, a lot that's going on at our house. In fact, I got home. We we purchased a home. Uh, on five acres next to my parents in the woods. And I come home from uh, my job and I come around the corner and my two-year-old has kicked the door open. He's butt naked. <laughs> Dada! It's like, oh my goodness, what am I dealing with here at this moment? Did he learn that from you? Yeah, I could have. <laughs> you know, pants are, you know, where, yeah. the, where your pants are, that's what you can call are you, home. Are you a teacher at like a Montessori school? Um <laughs> Not a Montessori, <laughs> uh, straight out public school. Okay, just, um, you know. But I I teach physical education uh, during the day, and then try to raise these three savages during the evening. But a um, couple things, both with my own kids and then my students. There's a there's a beautiful spot at that moment, just as you were saying, Tim. That there's a point to hook them. You got to put down that seed. You got to put the seed in the soil in order to grow. It's almost biblical the way you say it. Um, but the fact is, is that I'll every three years, just so I can get each kid to do it twice, keep it fresh, keep it exciting, is we will do an archery unit. And I bring in. I've got a local church, and my uh, my cousin-in-law he he lets me bring in because they run a they run evening and Saturday archery at this church, and 
they've got all these Genesis bows, little compounds that you can turn almost down to nothing. And so I'll line up eight bows and put kids on a line, eight, and we start out with targets. And I'm like, guys, there's some of the basics. Three fingers on that string. You pull it back to your cheek and let it fly. I give them a couple instructions. And I tell you, some of the kids that they've been exposed to that, either through summer camp or, you know, if they're, their parents are archers or whatnot, yeah, yeah, that was fun. Can I go play basketball? Like, sure, they're they're gone, but at the same time, I'll get a young girl. I I tell you this, the last time I did, she was in third grade. She was scared of the bow. Didn't want anything to do with it. So just grab it. So she grabbed it, put three fingers on the string. She pulled it back. She's like, that's not bad. I'm like, yeah, it's not bad. Let's throw an arrow on it, and I want you to shoot that, that target over there. Whether you hit it or not, that's not the big thing. Let's just, just send it. And she drew it back. She let it go, and she puts her hand out, and she's like, give me another arrow. <laughs> just in it. Just hooked. She And then through those, those couple weeks, I think we spent, there's a moment between Thanksgiving and Christmas where it's just our schedule within the public school is crazy because you've got, you got parties, you got a whole ton of, like, testing and intervention, and it's just kind of a mix-match thing that you're doing at that moment so i run it like four weeks long but i changed the distance and then i i didn't do it last time and i think i'm gonna try it this time i'm gonna put like a 3d deer out there but that's besides the point but i i changed the distance on them keep it fresh for them added points to it so then it was a team thing like they had to add points to it but anyway i then talked to her dad the one day i was like hey you know how's it going you know how's so-and-so doing in the classroom he's like listen I was working on my wife to get a bow. I I wanted a bow. And now all of a sudden, I have to buy two bows because my daughter's into it. And he goes, you've ruined Christmas. <laughs> and I just, I thought that was so funny. But he was just like, hey, thanks for, for, for bringing that in. And I mean, as you were talking, like there's a point where kids are going to fall off. But at the same time, if they've got mentors in other areas in their life that are bringing the outdoors in, it's not my kid. But at the same time, it's somebody else introducing him to it. So I saw that whole experience like, oh, heck yeah, we're going to keep this going. So every three years I come in, I bring those bows in, we line them up, and we get on that line. And it's either I'm going to win some kids over for the outdoors, or it's the ones that have kind of, eh, you know, they're not into it, and that's fine. That's totally fine. They don't want to do it. They don't have to do it. Yeah. And it's I go with my three boys, too, is that, each one of them, just with that, like, some want to do it, some don't want to do it. Each of them have their own personality. And as young as they are, I'm I'm two stages behind Tim here. I got a five-year-old, an almost three-year-old, and a one-year-old. So our house is just nothing but screaming and crazy and no pants. It's, it, get be- it gets better. Man. It, it's it awesome. Does. It <laughs> okay, good. Kids. Do I get to sleep sometime? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It gets better. Yeah. Just yeah, wait until they, <laughs> they can feed themselves and dress themselves. <laughs> oh yeah it's cool it gets fun good deal <laughs> we're with the five-year-old the the kid has he's a, he loves the idea of a discipline i ended up getting him a uh a little bear anyway it's a fiberglass longbow it's yeah. got a nylon woven string to it and we got the, the pack came with three arrows and i ended up buying some more arrows so that he can shoot with me and i just kind of threw it out there like Maybe he's going to pick it up. And I gave it to him at four. He, he didn't do much with it. You know, 
hey, cool, thanks. But, you know, he picked it up a couple times, but he didn't shoot it for probably about six months. All right. Well, then I started getting ready right around March where I was getting, I wanted to get ready for the Total Archery Challenge and put a new site on. I did a winter league, so I was changing stuff up. And so then I was shooting um, in our barn at the turkey farm. And so he came along with me and wanted to shoot his bow at that point. And again, just like with the the other kids, I could give him a couple, couple tips. I don't want you thinking about a lot. Just grab the bow, three fingers underneath. Kid picks up the bow, brings it right to his cheek. And I'm like, and then he just let it go. And the kid just, I mean, loose fingers, brings his hand right back to his shoulder. And I'm like, this kid's got better form than I do. And I gave him three <laughs> steps. I'm not touching it. I'm just going to let him be awesome. But he'll shoot around with me. He'll shoot 15 arrows and then like, hey, Dad, I'm kind of done. Can we go home? You know what? All right. That was good. That was a good 15-rounder. If we're shooting back home in the yard a little shorter distances, I'll get a couple more out of him. And he's really kind of picked it up. And he he likes it when he hits the target, but at the same time, he's not devastated if he doesn't hit the target. It's a game to him at this point. Until he broke an arrow. And the way he broke an arrow is something that I have strived for my whole life as an archer. The kid nearly Robin Hood an arrow. He draws back and shoots and clicks the back knock. And these things are they're fiberglass arrows. they got big, huge knocks on the back. The front, it really isn't a tip. It's more of like an aluminum end. But he smacked the one end of that knock off. I'm elated. I'm like, buddy, you hit your own arrow. And he's like, I don't know. I broke the arrow. Like, fix it. Can you, you know, put a new one on there? Like, they're all glued together. I'm like, I can't fix it. But you you hit. Like, that was super cool. He was just all mad about it. And But at the same time, you know, he lost an arrow. But he's excited about the idea of just going and shooting. And so it's that discipline idea, with, with especially with him. He, he's a rule follower. And things got to be done by the book. I mean, he's he's definitely on point. He's going to be far better form than I am. And then there's always like that middle child that you have that's going to just, you know, he's he's the tornado. He is the, hey, everything's looking smooth over there. I'm going to go screw it all up. And that's my, my long-haired Samson, Graham. So that's that's Tommy Pickles? That's Tommy Pickles. So Nick has a child. Like, I, I, I mean... I would, I would like to think at this point I would. Nick would consider me a friend. Well, you know, I've been following along with Nick, and we've interacted, and we've met up a, a, a fair amount of times now, um, in person, and you know, so we're friends on Facebook, and he's got this kid, and I saw this picture, and I was like, oh my god, like his child looks exactly like Tommy Pickles from. Rugrats, and I texted him a pic, like I photoshopped a picture of Tommy Pickles right next to this one picture of his kid, and he's like, "Oh my god, I I see it." So I just so we're clarifying that's the middle one. Yes, yes, Tommy is is my <laughs> I'm middle just child over here, man. Oh, that's funny. He, I'm I'm ticked. I was going to show Tim a picture of him, but yeah, my phone has died. Um, a picture now. That's great. He's he's got curly blonde hair and white the wife is just like nope he is keeping his hair it is beautiful he's got more of a mane 
and like you know we'll do baths as often as we can and he's just got like it just gets gnarly and he's he is he's just an animal but that's my kid that he's i mean if if wwe was accepting like toddlers <laughs> he would be in he and rick flair would just get along because he's i throw him in my bed we got a kelty I don't even know the name of it, but anyway, it's for the for the kids. You, know, yep. you throw the kid in; it's got the little harness. You strap them in, and um, then they're done. Then, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I've I've strapped the five year old in. I I can't get very far with the five year old; he's getting heavy. Yeah, but the two year old fits in there well. And so, I told him, I'm like, "Hey, Daddy's gonna go get some squirrels. You want to come with?" And he's like, "You know, he didn't know what to think of, but throw him in his snowsuit, throw him in the pack." And we start going along, and I'm hiking through through my property on a corner of my parents, and then we're we're heading out to to state land, and I'm I'm going down a two trail that's eventually going to end, and we finally see our first squirrel, and you know I I pointed out to him, and he's watching, he doesn't realize what exactly is going to happen at this moment, but I raise up the twenty two, and you know smack, you know. Bullet goes off, and the squirrel like does a little flip and whatnot. Lays right there, and it's like, hot dog, we got one, buddy. Let's go get him. We walk over to get it, and I pick it up, and I, I show it to him. I hand him back to it. And this kid, I mean, is he just blew his mind. He's holding that squirrel. He's he's petting the tail. He's like, what are we doing with this squirrel? Are we, we going to eat it? And it's like, yes, buddy, that's, that's why we hunt. That's what we're doing is we're going to eat it. So, in the same Kelty pack, they've actually got a zip-off, like, I think it's a diaper bag, but it fits, like, squirrels beautiful in it. <laughs> and you can zip it off and then be able to uh, uh, wash it. So, you know, in the squirrel goes with that. And that first one just kind of sent him on a path that was, now I'm excited for everything. I, I laughed earlier, Tim, when you were saying, like, you know, I bring my kids out as soon as they can whisper. <laughs> this kid can't whisper. Because... <laughs> We, we again going along. We find one, and this little hand bursts out next to my face, you know, from behind me, like squirrel, squirrel, and he's just yelling at it, trying to get me to go to it. Oh gosh, shh, 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 we need to quiet down, hush. So he's quiet, but that pack is just shaking behind me with excitement. He is just gung ho. It wasn't as clean, you know. It was definitely a belly shot. Then we had to go and headshot it, but. We, we get the squirrel, and you let up. I mean, the smallest little, like, woo comes from. I just clipped there. Sorry about that. You know, he lets out a war hoop from behind me, and this kid is hooked. So now anytime I go outside, Daddy, you going for squirrels? Like, it's not even season, bud. It's the middle of summer. Oh, okay, just check. Just, just want, don't, want, don't leave me out. Yeah. Like, that's the thing we do. So I've, I've created that bond with my middle child. And I've got my one-year-old who he's, I think he's going to make his own rules. I'm still, we're still figuring him out. But there's a, where my first one's the discipline. The second one is, I don't want to say savagery, maybe motivation. <laughs> but the third one is this, the, the draw, the vision of it. And he, he, he loves chasing critters. He points out birds all the time. I mean, he's just a little, little one-year-old at that point, but he's, He's pointing at birds and, you know, in the yard we're, you know, raking leaves or we're just playing on the swing set or whatnot. And, you know, 
squirrel comes on by, like, boom, he's pointing at it. He's trying to track it down. The worst thing I do feel bad for is we've got toads, little woodland toads everywhere. And, I mean, when those boys get a hold of those toads, I feel so bad because they just, they pick them up and, you know, they're jumping out of their hand, dropping on the ground. And it's like, guys, you got to leave these things alone. But they're just, they're drawn to these living creatures. And as much as I, I want to, I want to encourage it, but I don't want to force it. Just like with the students that I have in my classroom, it's I want to introduce it, but at the same time, if I if I force it too hard, they're not going to want it, and so I want them to find it for themselves. So, so that leads me into a question, like for for the both of you, is something that like I've not um, got to experience with my daughter so much, um, but she she's definitely aware of the situation is the taking of a life and the the death part so uh, last year you know my daughter is going to be four here so about a year ago she was almost going to be three she's two years old we were going up north to a lake house with her grandma and grandpa and all of our friends and we rented this place and i had to work much like this weekend so they were up before I was, I was coming up to meet them. Well, one of the guys in our party goes to the store. It comes back, and there's a dead deer laying there at the end of the road that we're at. So he's naturally, like, backstraps, right? So comes back, and all everybody's like, we want to go, we want to go, we want to go. My daughter's, you know, two and a half, just about three years old, whatever, somewhere in that time frame. And my wife's like, she wants to go, so she's like, okay, well, let him go. And one of our friends, you know, took my daughter, put her on his shoulders, and she kept saying, let's get closer, let's get closer, let's get closer, until she's right up there. And then they come back, and uh, my wife, Casey, she's trying to feel out the situation, you know, and she's like, so, Stella, what did you think about that? And she's like, she just shakes her head, and she goes, I wish they would have let me carry the meat back. And that's from this, you know, two, almost three-year-old. So the, that, that same year or the year before, so she would have been almost two, her grandpa killed a deer and, you know, Frank shot this five point or whatever, and it was laying there and she was out there and she was kind of scared of it and she was poking at it and grabbed the antlers and whatnot. And we're like, well, we're going to eat it. And then we cut it up. And then, so last year, the deer that I killed, was out there hanging up and she gave her a butter knife and she's helping me skin it and stuff. And she's like, dad, I need a sharper knife. Like I need a sharper knife. And she, Nick, you love this, but she wants to cook everything she wants. And she wants to do YouTube videos on cooking. And, and so that's another whole side awesome. of this, but that's a whole side of this generational thing. Cause even though you don't have cable, you still have internet. So this YouTube thing and your kids being 13 years old, probably didn't start out being conditioned with smartphones and YouTube and, and all of that. And so that the, when you decide on um, spots where you're going to hunt and when you're going to hunt, um, one of the things that I struggle with, and we, we've talked about it on the podcast is a, a lot about the youth season and you um, addressed it earlier in a conversation outside of the podcast. But so, that youth season can be a, a situation where a, a 
parent brings the kid to a prime spot and kills a deer that they have patterned, it's going to be the biggest deer that they've ever killed, and it's going to be super easy. Or you can bring them to a spot, and they're not going to see anything, and they look on their phones and, and everything like that. So how do you manage that um, like expectation for children of like, are we going to see something, make it exciting, whether it's YouTube or cable or what's it going to be? And then on top of that, like that first actual um, they took a life because I've you know, you've all heard the horror stories or something where like they kill something and they weren't ready and they're crying and they, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, each kid has their own individual personality. And I think it's imperative that we understand them individually more than anything when it comes to that, because it's a huge deal. You know, you can't just take a kid and put them behind a rifle or a crossbow or even a compound bow or whatever and expect that they're going to understand what they're doing when they take a life of an animal, you know. Um, if they're too young, they're just not going to understand it. You know, you, I talk about, you know, taking my kids out when they were two and three and four, and they didn't understand that stuff. I was just taking them out and engaging them in what I do so that they understand that what I do is fun and it's wholesome. It's bringing home some good meals for us and everything. Um, and each one of them processes that in a different way when it comes to the actual act of taking the life of the animal um for my daughter she has been pretty much on the fence she still hasn't taken one she hasn't you know pulled the trigger on one um and she knows the gravity of that she already you know she talks about it even though she's shooting her bow every day and she's practicing and she's totally capable she's drawn about 30 pounds now and and uh she's i would say she's ready. She's hitting the target in the requisite way, you know, at about 20 yards. She's definitely pie plate accurate. And, um, that's totally a Michigan thing. Totally Michigan a... thing, right? <laughs> pie plate accurate, right? I've been doing this for a couple of years. You know, I just started my fourth decade here on this big green globe. And, uh, but she's, she's, I would say capable of, of being able to hunt. And, um, she knows that it's not just going to be something that she can just go off and do. She's really got to put her mind into it. And she talks about it like that, where my boys have all been completely different. They're just, they're ready. Like, dad, when can I fill the freezer? And so I think, again, each one of them is different. So what we've done, and I think it's really kind of fun, is with each one of them, when they actually kill their deer, um, deer or turkey, Ben has killed really nice turkey we talked about that previous to the the headsets being on here but uh you know with everything that they take and everything that i take um we label those freezer bags with what they are and who who provided it so each one of our kids has their own colors um of everything they have from day one you know their water bottles their you know everything is separate colors so we just carry that over and we have separate colored sharpies so we know that when we open up a package of backstraps and it's got blue sharpie on it ben got that deer for us that's an awesome way to celebrate that hunt and to bring them into you know bringing it full circle we didn't just shoot our bows all summer and go scout 
all the you know it's really fun you know we do a bunch of scouting together as a family it's just a riot we go out and stomp around through public land and we record it all and it's just fun you know and uh that stuff adds up and it kind of comes to a crescendo when all of a sudden we're sitting down at a family meal and we're having venison stroganoff and the package of meat that mom opens was the green one well nolan killed that deer awesome nolan you fed us tonight that's really cool and i think that to them it builds their self-esteem it builds that that awareness of it's not just that we release an arrow or that we pull a trigger and that's the end of it it's we actually get something that's beneficial that's really good and it can be delicious and you know and uh it transfers into sort of who they are you know each one of my boys would definitely if you asked them they would identify as hunters you know actually my my middle boy nolan he would identify more as a fisherman which is really cool you know i talk about you know personalities shining out you know he can't keep a fishing pole out of his hands but pretty much anything outdoors is that way with him. Um, it's fun, you know, but you you have to learn to engage with them in that way. Um, and to be able to coach them through that, especially the first time that they release an arrow, the first time that they pull the trigger, the first time that you actually walk them through the process of you're taking the life of an animal, I think it makes perfect sense for them to understand what that means. Um, Certainly you can do it wrong, you know, if you just make it about, hey, cool, awesome, what's all high fives and cool, you killed the thing. I I think it's important that we we make it really exemplify what it is, you know, like they have to understand it means something, you know, you respect that animal. You don't just, it's not just that, hey, we killed it. It's, you know, we talk about harvesting and stuff, and I think some of that stuff can kind of be cliche, but really that's what it is, you know, we're you know, we're harvesting something that has grown wild, that God gave us, that we get a chance to now feed our family with, you know, and it kind of comes full circle. We got to take those opportunities as dads, as mentors, as, you know, whatever we're connected with. In my opinion, we have to take those opportunities to really train them to, you know, to understand what that means. And we put it on their level, you know, each one of the, you know, each kid has their own personality. Each, you know, each family has their own kind of dynamic to it and stuff. So it's going to look a little bit different from child to child and family to family. But um, in the end, you know, I think the goal sort of has to look like what's going to happen when now that kid is 16, 17, 18, starting to, you know, develop their own groups of hunting buddies, right? I'm looking ahead at that and I'm going, what's that going to look like? You know, do my kids have other kids around them that are going to be able to be their hunting buddies, right? Um, I don't really know that, but I know that other kids out there are going to be able to look to my kids and go, cool, I can have some good hunting buddies that are going to understand what it takes to actually go from the preparation to cooking the meals and enjoying it. And it's not just about, you know, sort of the. Inches. The moment of, yeah, the inches or the moment of pulling the trigger. It's not just the, yeah, I was able to kill one. It's everything that's involved with it because that's the lifestyle, right? I think that's the most important thing. You know, like we we have that opportunity to, I, I kind of 
sort of hesitate to to say influence because um, that can be kind of a negative connotation. Like if you think about, like, yeah, of course I want my kids to do just like I do and be just like me because I understand me and I think it's great, you know, yeah. like what I'm into. I hope that they're into it, but, you know, I can provide that opportunity and whatever level of influence that can be. And I can really hope that that'll stick. Um, in the end, I have to be okay with it if it doesn't stick, if they decide that they want to do something different. But gosh, I sure hope that I've done everything in my power to, to provide the opportunity for them and the influence for them. And, and, uh, one of my kind of my biggest, um, I don't know if you'd really call it a passion, uh, but really something that I focus a lot on is thinking about like selflessness, like, cause it's really easy for me to think they can stay home on Saturday morning and they'll be fine without me while I go hunting with my buddy or I go fishing with my buddy. And there's a time for that. Don't get me wrong. I still do that stuff, but, um, I want to make sure that I'm devoting enough time to them, um, to actually involve them in what I'm doing. So it's not just something that I do, but it's something that we do, um, as a family. So I don't know if that answers your question, you know, so much, but, um, you know, you're asking about, you know, the taking of the life and what that means and all that stuff. But, you know, it's a, it's a holistic package, you know, face it, you know, when it comes to the, the big picture, the thousand foot view, you know, zooming out, it's like, it's all got to go together. You know, that taking a life thing is going to be individualized. Each kid is going to process it in a different way. Um, I think we got to know our kids for one. Well, and I, I think uh, to that point is, you know, when you're talking about all the preparation and everything that goes into it, um, the quote unquote horror stories or the, the, the people that go out there and their kids, you know, don't understand the gravity of the situation, maybe not have been primed for what's actually happening. So it might just be, Hey buddy, we're going hunting. You remember we shot the gun the one day. Okay. Put the crosshairs there. Like, and the, the kid is like, I did what? Like, what do you mean? They were just following instruction rather than fully understanding the big, big picture. And you said a holistic process, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing. And like, I don't know, like it's, it's one of those things where, you know, for, for me, it's, it's a balance. So I'll ask my daughter, like, do you want to watch hunting shows or you want to watch cartoons? Someday she says hunting shows. Someday she says cartoons. But like on hunting shows, it's like, okay, do you see the deer? Do you see the elk? Do you see the, you know, and like, okay, he's going to shoot him. Okay. And then we'll watch a cooking show or we will actually go out and cook. And like, this is the deer that daddy killed. This is the deer that grandpa killed. This is the elk that, you know, Bupa killed. And, you know, which did you like better, the elk or the, you know, which did you like better, the decoy or the, <laughs> you know, that daddy killed, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I think you, you got to have a little bit more involvement and, in, you know, that, that's that's where the youth season or whatever, like, has me rubbed the wrong way is there is no primer for the the youth season so like you could literally buy a tag for your one-year-old 
right? Um, because there's no there's no rules, or a two year old, or or whatever. And you could have scouted a big giant deer, and they could kill that deer at five, never having shot a deer target, never have understanding the process. Sat there on YouTube all morning, and you could have killed the deer, and it, you know, and so it's not the experience that we all grew to love and like for myself like i think what i love about it is a the struggle so that it's it's not easy and then like b when and that that's kind of what i was uh, i wanted to know also about the setting up of the spots is like when I pass a deer, and especially when I pass a deer with a bow, it's like I feel like the king of the world because, like, they didn't even know that I was there. Like, I 100% won because I chose not to mess up this shooting at this deer. I chose not to shoot over its back or underneath it or or, or whatever. <laughs> what what are you talking about here? I mean, come on. Who would do something like that? <laughs> but but like uh, but that's the thing is like when I I think that as a, a parent, I may almost like with your daughter Tim or like you know, making that decision to say I don't want to shoot that one or whatever is a huge like decision because I'd imagine as a in your situation, a six year old, seven year old, 10 year old, 12 year old, whatever, like the pressure to shoot a deer or like the emotion in that little person has got to be, you know, whether they want to kill it and they're cool with the whole thing and they just want to feed their family or whatever. What I don't like is and i guess it's a double-edged sword but like where somebody says well i'm waiting for a bigger buck than you shot dad or something like that like the biggest buck that i've ever killed in my life i'm fully content i never even seeing another deer bigger than that i like understand like what happened so like like i say every time a deer walks by me and i choose not to shoot it i feel like i won and i've seen so much cool stuff in the woods that you're not going to be able to see you know yeah. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. It kind of it put a smile on my face because it it brings up another good point. Um with each of my kids, I've sort of conditioned them to set goals. And uh so <laughs> they they can go out in the woods and I always tell them if it's legal, you can totally pull the trigger on it. Like I don't I don't care whether it meets the criteria that I would put on myself. Um, but they watch enough hunting shows and YouTube videos and stuff with me that they know a big buck, you know, and, uh, they will actually set a goal. You know, Ben, he, he said he was eight years old when he decided Dad, I'm I'm not going to shoot a doe. He had shot a doe when he was six and when he was seven, he's eight years old. And, uh, he said, I'm not going to shoot a doe and I'm not going to shoot a small buck. I want to shoot a bigger buck than you've ever shot, dad. And I totally uncoached, you know, and, and I said, Ben, how many times have you been disappointed in your life? <laughs> uh, this is going to be one of those times, you know. <laughs> and, uh, 
But he was totally dead set that he was going to kill a bigger buck than I'd ever killed, and he was just gung-ho and ready. And he sat literally dark to dark all day, opening day of gun season, eight years old, sitting there looking out the windows, you know. He messed around a little bit, you know, playing video games and stuff on his little iPod there. But, I mean, he was engaged all day long, just waiting. And he passed four different bucks opening day, you know, a couple spikes, a four point, a six point. I thought for sure he was going to pull the trigger on, you know, but he did this day in and day out. And it was the second to the last day of season. It was, you know, after Thanksgiving, right down to the bitter end. And uh, he ended up shooting a really nice eight point it's mounted on the wall in his room now, you know, and uh, he shot a really nice buck because he waited. He was willing to do that, you know. I didn't tell him to do that, but he set a goal and he was willing to stick with it. I think we give kids far less credit than we should. I mean, he he could have shot and I'd have been happy with any one of those other bucks. And uh, but he put that on himself. He wanted his first buck to be, you know, a great big buck. He's eight years old, you know, and he shoots an eight point. And then he's as soon as he pulled the trigger on it, man, I can't wait till I'm nine next year. I'm going to shoot a nine point. You know? <laughs> <laughs> thought there was a correlation there he was disappointed the next year but uh <laughs> i imagine is that say is that applied to 30 40 year olds are we gonna get a true 40 point buck? yeah i'm a, i'm 40 now so <laughs> man i'm hoping for a good fall <laughs> so uh, with that though i mean that go that kind of goes right into the that whole question right so what was the conversation when he was nine and, and oh, yeah. uh, uh, up to this point you know does he understand that nine pointers 10 pointers 11 pointers 12 pointers aren't the norm and that's not the way that it works or is he watch enough tv and youtube to say well you know these guys kill a big buck every time and do you see these non-typicals and you know i mean how how does that how does that conversation go because in today's world of i mean hell uh, youtube but i mean think like even Amazon Prime and, you know, you're sitting here decked out and tethered stuff, you know, they got to, they're, they're shooting for like an eight week uh, ship time. You know, there's so many people that are like, well, I'm hunting tomorrow. I want this right now because of today's society. Your so you're, you, yeah. you're, you're raising kids in a society where instant gratification and he started off on a really good clip. What's that conversation or how does that go? Yeah. Yeah. So from day one with, with each of them, when they've been actually the one hunting, the conversation has been very much that you can't expect that every time you go out, you're going to get something. And I think they've watched me from the day they could pay attention to it. You know, that I go out and far more days I come back empty handed than I come back with one hanging, you know, and, um, I think they understand that. We talk about it. They understand that it's not just I'm going to the grocery store and I'll come back with some meat. It's I'm going out to try to achieve a goal. And, you know, my goals are book bucks. I just that's my personal goal in the state of Michigan with a bow. It's got to be 100 inches. I'm not going to release an arrow unless it is. And uh, to me, that's fun. You know, to the guy next to me, it may not be fun and he's happy with whatever. That's fine. You know what I mean? I'm not going to judge anybody, got, but I said those got two guys next to you that I think that. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but it's one of those things that I, like I have those goals for myself and the kids understand that. And so then I let them 
develop their own goals and we talk about it. You know, when we go out into the woods and they're hunting with me, if I'm the one that's hunting and they're just following along, they're hanging there in the tree in the saddle with me and it's it's my time, um, then they understand what's fair game for me. If it's theirs, we talk about what are you willing to shoot? Do you want to shoot the first thing that comes by? And I'm totally fine with it. I will, I'll never say, no, you can't do that. Um, there's training opportunities there, obviously. Like, you know, I'm trying to teach them how to identify a button buck, how to identify, you know, a doe fawn. We don't want to shoot those things if we can avoid it. It's going to happen. We've all done it, right? Um, you can't just look down on a kid because they make the wrong choice in the moment. But we talked about those goals. What's your intention when you're out here? Do you want to pull the trigger on the first thing that you see? Or are you waiting for something specific? And if you are, then I'm going to coach you into that. You know, that's one of the things that I found to be really beneficial with saddle hunting is I can take my kid and put him on my weak side. So he's, I'm right-handed. He's sitting on my left and I'm face to face with him. And all of his shots I'm expecting are going to be straight away from me. Um, so I'll set him up that way and I can coach really easily. So if it's something that, Hey, you know, a deer's coming in, get ready. We're face to face. It's really easy for me to say, Hey, that's not one that we're going to shoot. You know, that doesn't meet your goals. Um, we find, you know, that works really well for us. And obviously again, you know, each kid's going to be different. So goals are going to be different, you know, with, you know, with one of my boys, it's, whatever dad whatever comes in i don't care what it is if i can you know get the crosshairs on it it's down uh, but you know ben i keep bringing him up he's just he he'll be a big buck killer like i just know it he's gonna be that way that's it's in his blood and uh, i bet the other boys will probably will come along to it but you know at this point that's where we're at and so goals are important i think it's important that we talk about that before we go out where do you expect that this is going to end up? You know, what are you willing to pull the trigger on? You know, um, two years ago, it was a six point for Ben. He went backwards from his eight point that he killed when he was eight. You know, he ended up shooting this highly patternable six point. I mean, just he was on trail camera every single day, just kept coming through in the same trail. And same time, it was like it was a no brainer that it was going to happen and he was actually on the fence about it. He's like, ah, he's not a big one, you know. He's he's only a six-point, but I'm telling you, this thing was a two-and-a-half-year-old six-point. He was a butterball, just a big, heavy-bodied, nice, you know, nice deer right behind the house. It was one of those, I can get out of work, and we can walk out back there and, and be set up on him, and we know he's going to come through every evening, an hour before the sun goes down, and he did, you know, and he ended up shooting him, and, and uh, he had talked about it we had discussed it you know it was like ben you can sit here every day and wait for a big one but most likely it's not going to happen in this spot we've got to work harder for it and uh, i think that makes a big difference you know you talk about instant gratification i think the best things in life come with hard work um, for the most part every once in a while we stumble into something and you know but we can't replicate that right and uh, that one there was one of those this is not hard. We can walk out back and this is one of those that you can harvest this deer and it'll be awesome. It'll be a cool experience, but we're not really working hard for it. And uh, yeah, it was meaningful, but, and he understood that it, you know, it really wasn't as hard a work as we had done for some other ones in the past. Um, but it 
sort of sets the stage, I think, for the next step where he goes, okay, that was really fun. And now, like last year was his first year of actual like mobile run and gun hiking into some deep patches of timber, into some swamps, hanging in the saddles, doing something that was completely different. He's maturing a bit, you know, and he's working harder for it. And it's starting to stick. It's starting to get to the point where he's actually, I guess you'd classify it as he's actually hunting. He's actually, you know, we're reading the sign. We're going to where they are. We're getting, you know, where we need to be, not just where we can be. And uh, it's fun, you know, and it's a different thing. You know, we're getting into a different stage. We talk about those goals before we go. If you're going to be the one that's shooting, what are you willing to shoot? That what you were saying, too, is like, you know, Butterball 6 in my book. Like, I'm like, oh, Butterball, I bet you he's just a big, fat, fat buck. He's going to be good tasting. And with with my boys, especially, it's it. we look at the after the shot, specifically. And it's, um, yeah, Dad will go out. And right now, they're, they're, they're too young to join me, necessarily, in the stand. I think I need to get a couple pop-ups. The five-year-olds, I mean, he's... He's dumb near close to coming out probably this next year. I'm going to have to probably spend those first couple weeks taking him out with me. Um, but uh, I got – I get a couple deer, and it becomes a, a – I, you know, I come back, and there's, like, this celebratory, like, guys, dad got one. And they're they're excited about it. You know, at this point, it's cold, so they're, you know, putting on jackets and stuff, and we got to get it home. We got to – bring it home like the the job for them at that point as much as i've put into the work on the forefront of hunting the animal getting killing the animal 20 seconds of fame bam right there where do i get it but now the work begins and i'm wanting to bring them along with that as far as they know what the work is going to be yeah it was fun we got the animal but (laughs) In our household, we're not bringing it to a processor. We're going to bring it to our garage, and you're going to grab onto it. One, of the, I got a, I got a great picture of my one boy grabbing one antler of my spike. Again, I'm getting whole story about the spike. He, he pretty much earned the arrow. He was going to blow my, blow my spot. So I was like, dude, you're done. And uh, yeah, long story short, we had some beautiful taking vested. <laughs> and. Uh, but the one picks up the the one antler and the other one goes to grab the next one and it slipped out of the first one's hand. So the second one just sees the head move and immediately, whoop, I'm done. He runs right back to the gator, gets back on. He's like, eyes, eyes, because he's, he's noticing the eyes are still open. And I was like, but he, he's, he's gone, buddy. He's dead. We need to take care of him. It, nope, not doing it. Those eyes are <laughs> still open. He ain't going to mess with it. After we got through all of that, um, they see it get hung up. They see that we got to take the hide off, and they you're showing them the the meat. You're showing them the transformation from this this what was a living creature into a carcass, into the things that you know you put into, like you were saying the sharpie that they've labeled out their meat that they've seen that transformation. I growing up on a farm where life and death happened all the time. At the turkey farm, we'd get a flock of, of young birds in, and you had to, there was a lot of effort to 
raise those birds. And there's a lot of effort to then not only just raise them and have them survive, but have them thrive to become these fat, plump, beautiful tasting birds. And then we kill them. We put all this effort into it to just end it. And I think growing up in that, you could say, like, that's just, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like, it seems like a sad story. But at the same time, that end of we just killed them, you're now harvesting, like you mentioned earlier, Tim, you're harvesting the meat, and that then brings life to others. That's exactly what we're doing in the woods. You have this beautiful story of a trail cam, and you're looking at this animal all the time, and then, boom, it's dead. You kill it. But that's not where the story ends. It ends with life being given. You know, you bring it back to your household. You put it on the plate. And now there's life given to the kids at that point. And that, like, just as we were mentioning earlier, that how do you teach a kid that you're taking a life, that you're killing something? But at the same time, you're hungry. You need sustenance, and that's what you're having. <laughs> that's a big book. That's a huge chapter that you're trying to then have them digest. But at the same time, if they can visualize it, and maybe I'm just a twisted sicko that grew up on some death farm. <laughs> but at the same time, that's where I got my understanding, and I'm I'm really hopeful that that's where my kids end up seeing it, is that we see life, we see these fawns and these trail cameras, or we see the baby turkeys, but at the very end, yeah, there's that, that dark strike, but it's necessary in order for us to live. Yeah, I think you make a good point, and it's probably indicative of our culture. Like So many of us are brought up totally disconnected from anything like that. You know, the raising up farm animals and harvesting them for their meat or for what they can produce for us. Um, you know, we've sort of worked our way into the other end of that spectrum, so my kids sort of understand that. We've got chickens that produce eggs and meat for us, and... You know, there's there's always been stuff that we we use as a resource for our food. So they understand that they have from a young age. And we've actually got some funny pictures of, you know, you talk about, you know, raising up plump turkeys to kill them. You know, we got pictures of all of our kids, you know, basically fresh out of diapers standing around me while I'm, you know, butchering chickens and stuff. And they understand that stuff. Um, but it really starts to it starts to turn into something that you know is tangible and sort of a skill set for them when, you know, when you are taking that deer and you're hanging it up in the barn or the garage and you're pulling the hide off of it and you're breaking it down and you're, you know, taking the cuts of meat off that thing and you're saying, okay, these are going to be steaks and this is going to be grinds and, you know, this is going to end up being our venison stroganoff. That's our favorite meal in the house. You know, my wife just makes a phenomenal venison stroganoff. The kids just die for it, but... You know, we, we go through ridiculous amounts of ground meat. My kids, they actually fight over who's going to run the grinder. You know, I think I've achieved like the, probably like the highest level of awesome. <laughs> you know, when it comes to we have these butcher parties, you know, where it's like when I bring a deer in, um, you know, in quarters and I'm deboning there on the kitchen counter and stuff. It used to be just me doing the work and then my wife would help package it up. Now all four of the kids help with all of it. And, that's a fun thing. You know, I think they, they start to understand this is putting up meat for the year for us. This is going to be meal after meal after meal for us. Um, 
those are opportunities. You know, every one of these things that we've talked about, you know, from, you know, the beginning stages of preparations and picking out, you know, what type of tackle they're going to be proficient with, whether it's archery or guns or whatever, to, you know, how we're going to consume this stuff and provide sustenance for our family and meals for our family. You know, it's, uh, it's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes in there and we've got to involve them with every step, you know, otherwise it's just, if you try to catch them in the middle of it and say, go ahead and pull the trigger and they don't understand the beginning and the end of it, it, it's never going to gel, you know, and it's something that I'm passionate about. It's something I think there's a lot of people that are interested in it, but don't, you know, we might not all know how to do it. You know, that's why I think it's, it's cool. You know, we got three of us sitting here recording a podcast about it and I think we can all learn something from each other, you know, in different, you know, stages of where we're at, you know, um, would I change things about what I would have done, you know, 10 years ago with my kids? Probably there's probably some things that I could do better. Um, I think we'd all think that too, you know, no matter what, but, um, you know, if there's something that I've done that can help somebody else, I think there's a lot of value in sharing that stuff, you know, because, um, you know, in the end, 10 years from now, I don't want to call that the end, but you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to be looking at, you know, my youngest being 18 and that's going to be, I'm going to be in a different world, right? Um, I sure hope I've added value to the people around me and to the people within my household. Um, that's going to, you know, kind of spark a change in the trend that we see right now in declining hunter numbers, declining people, you know, the people that are engaged with the outdoors as, as a whole is just tanking, man. It's scary. Like you think about it, we know each other. We know this community that we're in and we're all bought in hundred percent sold out to it. But, um, if we don't engage the next generation, it's just going to be lost. And if it's lost, it's not coming back. Um, you know, God gave us gifts to, you know, to be able to use the resources that are in front of us and we've got some really cool opportunity to keep it going. It's something that I love to do, you know, and I love to talk about it. I can keep going, you know, but, um, I don't know. I just think it's, it's important that we add that value that we take what we know and we share it with the next generation. If we don't, it's lost. And once it's lost, they're not doing it again. Exactly. Exactly. You put some really put points together. Um, Adam, I got a, question for you this is the podcast hosting thing where he just flips it on me this is you know, the, just, we're now the hunt of war podcast he, he, he turns it, just, it and he just says, flipped like he that says, he says okay um with the stage of women empowerment and this girl the, the idea of that you know girls are being empowered you you're putting in an awesome position right now and tim you've you've got your oldest is a daughter. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to keep my savages together <laughs> in the corner over here. Um, but I look at dads with daughters and they are put into a situation where some people are, are like, don't, don't turn them into a tom, and don't turn them into a tomboy. But at the same time, how do you, how do you engage someone of the opposite sex that's your daughter or she's someone the object sex that's your offspring like as your daughter you just said adam um 
you know, I've, I've met your daughter. She's, <laughs> she's a great kid. She's all over the place. She could be wearing dress and then, yeah, shooting bows and just being dead nuts with the bow. But what what are you doing as a dad with a, a little girl to both engage the outdoors, but at the same time let her be the little girl that she is? Well, that's a hard one because, again, I mean, my crutch to where I'm at in my life and my parenting is like, first timer like i I don't know <laughs> you know so it's like I, i'm just you know i'm just rolling with it right but um take it till you make it well yeah. that's the thing and it's like if people still like to be around us and you know they they don't mind watching her then i think i'm doing a good job you know i mean I, it's it's dumb you know but I, I i i've started with my daughter from the time that before she could speak um i we taught her sign language. So please and thank you. Like to be polite. To, so to start to be a good person, right? And to use your manners. Okay. So that is, I think, the basis of everything. And we talked about it a little bit. Like whether you're the greatest hunter in the world or you're the world's worst bow hunter, like if you're a good person, then that's going to, you know, carry you through a, a lot of different things. So. Uh, that's where I started because that's the only thing I know. I don't know how to raise a person, but I know how to be polite and I know how to be a good person. Right. So from there, I'm just myself. And like, I don't say like you're a girl, so you can't do what I'm doing. Like when my wife and I, like we're going to have a kid, like it was like, well, here's the deal. They're going to play guitar or piano and they're going to play hockey doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl because you can walk into anywhere and there's going to be a guitar or piano. It is a discipline and it's going to teach you some sort of thing. So to learn guitar or piano, like one of us has to learn it. So I like fiddle around with the guitar. So I used to play guitar to my daughter and I'm not a good guitar player. I'm a worse guitar player than I am a bow hunter. And that's, poor um maybe you should just stay away from things with strings that's probably <laughs> but but so she's on her second guitar and a ukulele and if i play guitar she'll pick up the guitar and sing along with me so now i'm doing something that's engaging her and so i am so passionate about bow hunting and with the podcast and all these things i mean you know, I'll have this same setup that we have here set up in the basement. She'll put on the headset. Dad, we're going to do a podcast. What are we going to do a podcast about? We're going to do a podcast about podcasting. So let's turn it on. We'll record. And she's like, we're doing a podcast today uh, because we're going to have a podcast. And what do you think about that, Dad? I, I think we should do a podcast. What do you think, Stella? Um, and so she was two years old. I bought her a bow for, for Christmas. And I did a poor job because it was a nerf bow not a nerf bow that shoots darts it shoots arrows it shoots it's designed to shoot other people with arrows at 70 yards so she's flinging arrows across our 50 foot basement like at a good clip and i'm like oh we are going to break some things we had four of them at one time yeah yeah <laughs> so broken <laughs> but but she sees me doing stuff and like i was telling tim and maybe i've told this on the podcast before but you know i asked her we were watching a show and i said you know stella are you gonna hunt 
when you get older? And she said, I'm, I'm not big enough to hunt, Dad. And I said, well, you have a bow, right? And we set up our own, you know, we set up a bear. We got on the other side of the bed, and we got out our binoculars, and we sneaked. And that's what she said when she got home. My wife got home from work, and she goes, I go, tell your mom what we did. And she goes, we sneaked him. I said, she goes, we sneaked him? What did you sneak? She's like, we sneaked the bear. I shot the bear. We sneaked him. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if she's a boy or a girl or whatever. Like, we're just having fun goofing around, you know. So, I mean, as many times as I do ballet and gymnastics and cartwheels and, you know. I mean, I got pictures on Instagram of her in a full-on Elsa dress pulling arrows out of the, you know, the 3D target. I mean, she she went and got a, a thing taken off her face and she... We were at DeVos Children's Hospital with this gigantic play area. She's in a car, and she tells her mom, like, I'm going to the club. I'm like, we don't go to the club. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? And I was like, Stella, what club are you going to? She goes, I'm going to the Bowman's Club, like, like Dad and Grandpa do. Like, that's what she was doing. And so she just sees us doing it. And I said, you know, I'll. Uh, there's a guy, in, he's in Colorado, uh, my buddy Joe. He was on the podcast. He was selling a kid's bow. I said, I said, hey, I'll I'll take that. It's one of the Bear Braves. And uh, he just sent it to us. And I said, Stella, this is for you. And she opened it up. And she's like, is this my bow? I'm like, yeah, it's your bow. And she's like, do I have real arrows? I'm like, yeah, you can use all my old arrows. She's like, I can. We went out there in the, I mean, in, so on her Nerf bow in the house, because I was using the right release release trainer and she wanted to try it and it was too short and i tried to build her one out of paracord and i was like i couldn't get the draw length right and everything because i have another thumb release so i tied her a d loop on that nerf bow and so she's shooting a thumb release on her nerf bow and she's keeping (laughs) her thumb behind it and doing the whole thing those guys from dude perfect are probably like say what <laughs> dude mind blown right now <laughs> but like when you were talking about like okay three fingers behind uh, you know underneath and you're saying like i'm not trying to push them and like all that stuff i'm like maybe i'm really messing up because she's shooting a thumb release at three years old and, like, she's willing to do it man do it yeah and That's so the thing and so like when i was shooting my bow I mean, even like one of the bad things about coming up here is I'm my family's across the, the lake, and uh, I was loading all my stuff, and she's like, "Dad, can you put my real bow in there? Can you put my real bow?" And I was like, "Oh, we don't have a target up there." And she's like, "All right, well, next time, yeah, certainly next time." But like the first time, you know, you're talking about the, in, those kids and like getting them hooked. Like the first shot she took with a real bow with her thumb release, and like she's very. Um, She's an awesome kid. She's super coachable. So I just said, point your feet over here towards the house, draw back, and, uh, you know, shoot at the target. And she, it was just a block target with the, you know, the center section of deer. She hearted him. And this is at like three yards. But she's like, I shot him in the heart and it stuck in the target. And then she was shooting him off the fence and in the weeds and all that stuff. But I was like, okay, well, where was your elbow pointing? Where were you looking? What was going on? And that's translated into like playing baseball. Like she's got a bat and a ball. I'd go out there and I'd throw her the ball and she'd swing 9,000 seconds too early. And then I'd 
fake throw it to her and she'd be swinging and she's like mad and crying like dad quit quit messing with me and i'm like i'm like look let me you you throw it to me and i'll show you and so i picked up the bat and i was like i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm waiting she would throw it and i'd hit it and so now she points her feet in the right direction. I mean, it's kind of like setting up the shot. Like, But she like points her feet in the right direction, and she's like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I'll throw it. And then at one point I told her that was a bad throw. So every time she misses it, it's a bad throw. <laughs> well, I've told her it's okay to not hit the ball every time. I said, you just have to make a good swing. So I'm like, did you look at the ball? And I'll, I'll tell her, I'll straight up tell her, like, where are you looking? And she's like, I wasn't looking. She, same thing with throwing a frisbee. She's super coachable. So all she wants to do is to be involved. And so, I mean, she's come to the Bowman's Club with me when we're building arrows and, like, whatever. And she's like, can I bring my bow? Can I shoot? And so shooting at the Bowman's Club, there's targets, there's lines, there's all of this stuff. And just to be involved, just to be able to go in, just to know where the light switches are. I mean, it doesn't matter that she's a girl, she's my kid. So I don't, I'm not treating her any different than if she was a boy or whatever. I mean, I guess so. I mean, I guess I wouldn't dress my boy in a princess dress. I mean, unless that was what he was into, I I would totally do that. I'm, I mean, it kind of goes back to our transom conversation, Nick, but uh, <laughs> so um, it's kind of another story for another day, but, um, but it doesn't really matter. We're just, you know, she's she just wants to be involved, and she sees what I'm doing. So I'm doing, I'm I'm doing my stuff, and if she wants to be involved, awesome. I also want to be involved with what she's doing. So she wants to sing, she wants to cook, she wants to do this. Like, I'm gonna do what she wants to do, and I think that's reciprocal, and I think that that's the most important thing. That's that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that from you, and I know this. We're gonna, you know, we just keep talking, and I think. It, our passion is really coming out as much as we're deer hunters and as much as we're sportsmen and we love our public lands, it comes out that we're just dads. <laughs> and, you know, Adam, you, you just said, it, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I just had kids. and like, <laughs> I'm not going to pick, I'm not going to do the right thing every time, but at the same time, I'm going to go with the flow. If, if they want to join in with what I'm doing, Hey, better for it. And Tim's got a whole, he's got four of them going along and, it's like, guys, we've got goals. We're setting goals. We're putting things together. And we're going to ultimately achieve that if we work hard. And they begin to work that work ethic. And I think the thing that I'm bringing to the table right now is that it's like there's a purpose behind what we're doing. If, if we're out there go, pursuing these animals, we're doing it to a, the best of our ability. We're going to bring it home. We're going to utilize as much of it as we can. If that, you know, just like with Stella and my boys too, you throw a knife in their hand, whether it be a butter knife or an actual sharp knife and let them cut a piece of meat, you know, they're not cutting with grain or they're not, you know, making steak or anything, but at the same time, they feel like they're involved. They're putting something in the bag. They're putting their color on it, you know, Ben or Nolan. And ultimately, as far as hunter retention, we just, if we just true to ourselves and our passions, our kids are going to pick up on that and we just... Got to keep with that. So, hey, as we keep on talking, cheers, fellas. That well, way, I mean, pops. So you guys have done well. Yeah, we're here 
you know, an, an hour and a half into this, and 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 this it really all I wanted to get out of it is to simply say, like, to not necessarily like set a blueprint because we've already decided that each kid is going to be different and whatever, but you know, to get some sort of insight. And this has been super helpful to me because it's like, like I said, I'm like, shit, she's shooting a thumb release. Like, I don't know. Am I, am I pushing this too far? You're winning. You know, but, but like, but that's the thing is like, there's a, there's a fine line. You see kids that, that get burned out on sports or because there is the, the hockey dad or the, you know, the soccer mom or, or, or however it, it is and you want so much for your kids and whether that's you know you want your kid to kill a booner every year or a, a, an antler point for every year old uh, that realistic expectations and and that just garnering the next generation of hunters and and, and everything i think is you know kind of what we've we we strive to do um but there is no blueprint right so it's just to kind of lay out some sort of a this is what i've done this is this is what i've done this is what i'm trying to do and to say the next generation is ultimately what's the most important there isn't a right way to do it but if you've got a kid and you're looking you're trying to figure out when is too early what should i do you know just get them involved and let the kid dictate the situation i think is kind of what i've i've taken away from it so i just want to thank you guys for for sitting down with me and nick providing this wonderful air-conditioned uh venue it's uh, glorious it's pretty i mean you are in an anti-gravity chair inside of a can (laughs) i tell you laugh a luxury right here spared no expense so this is incredible so i i I, before we do sign off adam i am interrupting um Hunivore podcast taking back over again tim favorite family dinner lay it out for me details Venice what do you stroganoff. mean stroganoff yeah um it's actually funny because it's the one that i have zero participation aside from providing some venison if it happens to be one with the black sharpie on it but um yeah my wife makes a killer great big feast of venison stroganoff so i actually i'll make a lot of cubed meat out of every deer and uh she just makes this phenomenal stroganoff the kids just devour it there's almost never leftovers if they are they don't last past the next day when i take them to work with me um but if i'm cooking i i generally will take backstrap and throw it on the grill um i i just love that stuff um we go through uh, about four deer a year typically it's kind of fun i've been i've been bow hunting first the first bow kill i had was october 10th of 96 and there hasn't been a year since then that i haven't killed at least one deer with my bow right and uh so i've bragger bragging i'm bragging right now no i'm i'm just laying it out there like i love to kill deer and uh and put them on the table so i usually have at least two with my bow usually um you know the last few years at least one of the kids adds one and uh 
usually I'll fill another doe tag as well, you know, whatever, whatever unit we're hunting, whatever you know, public land we're on, or if we've been fortunate enough to snag up a lease or something. So usually there's at least four. And uh, we pile up a lot of cubed meat, man. We just, we eat a lot of that stuff. But um, Actually, last year I made my favorite one that I've done yet, bacon-wrapped backstraps. Um, mm-hmm. We did backstraps as well as we did inner loins uh, as a Christmas meal. Christmas Eve last year was the first year we found ourselves at home, just the six of us and our little family, and no traveling elsewhere or anything, and I decided I was going to throw those on and do a reverse sear, bacon-wrapped inner loins. It's not something that you can throw out there like I would say that's our favorite meal, because it's not frequent enough to be our favorite, but favorite moment sort of thing, yeah. Oh. It's making my mouth water right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I dig that stuff. Yeah. Good deal. Adam. So I think my favorite meal, and you got to understand, so I'm going to give you two. I'm going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my Where I started from is my dad did everything in burger. So it was everything burger until I started making jerky. So even backstraps. So this is would well, but it would go to that. Those are the two things because my mom never cooked venison, so it just was all grind. Then I met Frank, and it was grind, and then everything was steak. So there was no whole backstrap. We saw the value in it, but it was um, dredged and pan fried. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there's nothing wrong with that, and deep fried is really good. And, you know, lots of different things. Um, and so that's where my goal is this year is to go from that. And we, we did a little bit last year, but we didn't do whole muscle groups to um, bigger muscle groups and different dishes. So reverse seared, and I've even done it with the cut up steaks, and my daughter loves to help with this process. Um, but reverse seared, and you can do it even with the little steaks. That's probably one of the favorites. Um, But I'm going to show you uh, a recipe you may not be familiar with. So if you take any roast, and my um, experience has been limited to the cuts of meat, but if you take a, what we've done is boned out neck roast, and you throw it in a crock pot or or slow cooker, at a medium temperature and this is a real good hunting camp meal you take two packets you take a packet of hidden valley ranch and a packet of au jus you sprinkle it over top put a stick of butter on top of it and then you put um as many or as few of the peppercino peppers on top of it it's called mississippi roast you just leave it in there for the whole day well that butter will melt and it'll go down and it'll just like melts into like a shredded venison type meal and you serve it over either the egg noodles or mashed potatoes or something like that but something when you get up and you're having breakfast in the morning before your hunt you just have all that stuff in there you throw it in there you turn on the crock pot you set it and you go uh it has a, a crazy amount of flavor almost to the point of like being too spicy depending on how many peppers that's why i said you know 
however many you want, and you think there's there's no liquid in there, there's no nothing. Well, it just melts right down in that butter, and you know, with with it being covered and everything just recirculates. Um, there's plenty of juice for noodles and and everything like that, and then you can serve it if you were to serve it like a, a Nick Otto style, Hunnivore style. You would take it and you would lay your mashed potatoes or your egg noodles and you'd put the rest of it on top with a little bit of the juice from in there. Then you'd serve it with a scoop of uh, sour cream on top. And it's it's an amazing, super easy recipe, a great deer camp recipe. And that's got to be one of my my favorites gotcha that's like capital m for midwest <laughs> there's ranch there's butter and we're putting potatoes into it like that's just brilliant i just want to say you know i signed on to come in here and talk about you know getting kids outdoors now i'm just hungry <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that <laughs> that was wow that was really good that sounds that, that's killer. a good one yeah, you need a you need a black sharpie. You need to be thinking. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dad's boys. <laughs> Got that right. I wish this was that deer camp. Right now, there is no crock pot full of cooking meat. So, yeah, the hunter let us down this time. But you need to come up with the total archery challenge because he put on a show. You think about a guy that is raised on a death farm, right? Yep. Uh, yep. They, <laughs> I've heard about this guy. <laughs> they waste nothing. He's he says I'm going to bring some turkey knuckles. Up. I heard this story. Yeah, you heard this story already. And Whoa! It was like, it was like, oh, well, we don't know what turkey knuckles are, and we don't know what they're. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Now his jalapeno poppers. You got to de-seed them. These were hot as fuck. They were the hottest peppers I've ever had in my whole life. Bunch but. of weak sissies up there. <laughs> so, but turkey knuckles. <laughs> but yeah, I I listened to that podcast. <laughs> I was definitely intrigued. I'm going to be there next year. Yeah. Here's the issue with with turkey knuckles is um, there's only two per bird. And so you need a lot of them. So, but you were raised on a death farm. Exactly so. with, with the turkey farm when you you know. Pass through 150 birds, you know, you end up with three under knuckles at the end of the day. Um, do a big, you know, we do a massive kill. We're able to do, um, excuse me, a massive process. Harvest. <laughs> Whatever you want to call sorry, it. I'm, at this point, I am, yeah, they're so dying. Callous We're at eating. this point. But at the same time, you know, you, you get those knuckles and it, it is, it's a piece of meat that's, it's, it's, it's basically the kneecap, patella, cartilage. Nobody's going to use it unless you know how to cook it. And just slow cooking that sucker. I I actually marinated them overnight, and I I tried something new. A buddy of mine made ribs, and he found a dry packet of lime, ginger, chili, like marinade, and I just loved that flavor. And I'm like, I gotta replicate it. It's like, yeah, you figure out your lime, your chili, and your ginger mix. I end up throwing in garlic because I'm a garlic fan as well. But putting that together as a marinade and just let those sit overnight. Um, as I don't have a, a real pressure cooker. I have an Instapot, but it still works really good. And I did about 20 minutes in the Instapot with these knuckles, which now it's made them cooked all the way through. They just need a char on them. And so Adam was gracious enough to loan out his uh griddle he brought up that camp chef 
I forget the series that it is, but anyway, it's the the packable version of it. You can put on the griddle, you can put on the the grill, and actually, I was next to John as I'm doing it. I mean, he was giving me some side eye, like he's like, I'm not sure what's going on here. Trust me, trust me. Put some char on those things, and they just that cartilage gets super soft. There's only one little bone in it. It's like burnt ends on like pork ribs or beef ribs, whereas you just you, you put it in, you just suck the meat off. The juice is going to go everywhere, and you just have this little bone at the end. It's a it's a little piece of heaven. So so how much meat is on a turkey knuckle? Um, I, I, so like a chicken wing, smaller uh, than chicken yeah, wing. a little bit. I mean, if you if you ever had um, so there's a restaurant by us that does hog wings. Yeah. For, it's 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 like a mini version, it's like a hybrid hog. It's a mini version of a hog wing. Yeah. <laughs> And hog wings are similar to like a, a buffalo wing or something. It's just a weird huh. cut. But. So, with, so who came up with this idea? Like, is this something that you you went, hey, you know what? We can't waste all these turkey knuckles. We got to find something we can do with them. Or was this like a old family secret? Like, what? How does how does Nick Otto sit down at Total Archery Challenge and go, hey guys? <laughs> no, we were we were trying to figure out what we were going to bring for a menu because we're like we're going to have to feed like forty or fifty people. He's like, I'm thinking turkey knuckles, and I'm like, first off, knuckles. he says, hey, we're going to do like we're going to do like a little wild game dinner. I'm like, oh cool, how many people? I'm thinking like maybe ten. Well, you there's know? ten between our groups. He throws out the number forty. I about throw up on the floor. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit! I got to do all these people. That's a lot of food. <laughs> so I'm like, what can I make that's going to expand all that? And I don't know, being maybe that's why I'm I think I'm semi good at podcasting is I'm good at asking questions or at least trying to, you know, probe into things. And that's why he's got so many kids. That's why <laughs> This is how we got started sitting down here. Like we really gotta start recording these conversations. Oh, golly. <laughs> so, so anyways. So anyway. <laughs> Guy comes in, he's from inner city Grand Rapids. Uh, I'm laying it out, he's, he's a black guy. And he ends up buying like several pounds of turkey knuckles. And I'm, I'm ringing him up and, you know, he's he's happier than, you know, kidney candy store. He's, he's all excited to find these. Um, he's telling me like who he, how he heard of us. And I was just like, I, well, I got another question back for you. How do you cook them? And he takes me through that whole process that, you know, he's got a griddle that he'll do them on. And he does them, like, just low and slow. I'm like, gotcha. Could I do pressure cooker? If I, if, like, let's say I try to do that. And so, seeing that the, seeing that I wanted to know more, this guy ends up going into, like, a 15-minute, like, you know, pin. I mean, he, he should have had a PowerPoint. But anyway, he let me know. This is, this is how I do them. I add this kind of sauce to them. This is how I serve them. People love it. Awesome. So then, yeah, now I've taken that idea and I've kind of just toying with it, wanting to try it out. And the perfect opportunity was that, yeah, I get invited to do this wild game dinner. And I'm like, well, I'm going to bring turkey knuckles and it's going to blow people's minds. And I think I, I think I did a good job at it. My intent was, even though... Even though it's domestic, you know, hey, domestic is still a good thing. 
you can do that with any piece of dark meat or tough meat off your birds that you're doing. You do a slow cook on it. Either you go in a pressure cooker and then sear it or even into a slow cooker. But those drumsticks, you could add that same lime chili ginger mix to it. Mm. It'd be dang good. Money. Man, I like that. That sounds really good. I'm probably just hungry, but that sounds really <laughs> good. But yeah, so we're flashing right here. The batteries are about to die. And uh, I, I mean, we, I think we had every intention of uh, Nick was saying, like, yeah, I think we could get about an hour out of this topic or this, that, and the other thing. I tell you, we blew it up. Yeah. We're, hour 42. We're, we're, we're 143 right now. So, <laughs> um, But I, I mean, I really do appreciate you guys. I think, Tim, you did a great job on your first podcast you know, carried the conversation. You did a great job, Nick, a pleasure as always. And, you know, you know, where can they follow along with you, Nick, with uh, what you're doing? Uh, you know, cause uh, Nick is a, an actual podcasting star. Um, uh, he's the real deal. Yeah, he's the real deal. What, what am I considered now? You were, you were dropping that term. Bougie. Bougie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bourgeois. It's a French term for, um, highfalutin, um, you know, uh, the real you know, think, deal. think think frills and uh, the the white powder and the the hair. Um, I mean, that's what he was wearing. He's got actually a mannequin with a white wig and powder wig in the back of this camper. I thought it was odd, but you know, I don't ask. Gotcha. The crushed velvets around the corner. So <laughs> <laughs> believe that right there. Um, yeah, follow along with uh, with the discussion at uh, Huntivore. Uh, Huntivore podcast. We're on. We're joined up with the Sportsman's Nation. Uh, great group of people there. Um, head up by Nine Fingers, Dan Johnson, great guy. Um, as a corporation, we're at 2%, um, give or back, 2% for conservation. We give back both 1% of our earnings. I mean, I'm not making anything, but I also give 1% of my time, so I think I'm doubling up on that and doing 2% of my time back to um, the wild places and wild things that we ultimately love. Um, so find us there. We're on Instagram at Huntivore, and same thing with Facebook. Um, yeah, give a shout out. Give me a DM. Say hey, I you know want to know how to cook something. Follow along with us on our podcast, and hope to help you out. And so, Tim, since this is your first podcast, when can people follow along with uh, with you? You know, um, if they want to know more about uh, you know bringing their kids up uh, saddle hunting, any of the things that Tethered has going along, or, you know, to watch any of your videos to see, like, you know, how you're bringing your kids up in the outdoors. Uh, where can they follow along with that kind of stuff? Yep. So the first place is going to be on Facebook. Um, Tim Clark, T-I-M-C-L-A-R-K-E. We church it up. It's really cool with the E on the end. So uh, you can find me on there. I usually post a lot of stuff with the kids on there as well as Instagram kind of cross-posted there um saddle hunter the michigan saddle hunters page if you log on to that i've developed that one and run that one so that we can keep up with people locally in the area and um, set up local demos i've got a full kit of everything that tethered has to offer um currently it's all at my place and uh, you can send me an instant message or whatever um get a hold of me there I'm always willing to meet with people, show them what I'm doing, what they can use, um, you know, test your sizing, figure out how you can bring your kids out and hunt with them. Um, I've got a full setup in my yard at all times, so my kids just about every day are shooting in their their Mantis saddles, and uh, I'm sitting right beside them coaching them. So um, 
feel free, send me a message, hit me up on there as well as Instagram. I'm not on there as much, but I am there. And then if you've got anything else that's tethered related, tetherednation.com, you can check all their stuff on Instagram, Facebook, internet. Um, there's lots of great resources that you can tap into there and I'm willing to help with any of that at any time. The video section, where can, where can people find your videos? Basically just on my Facebook page at this point, we are working on developing a YouTube channel. My kids and I, my daughter is actually taking the shine to the editing portion of it. So we've been collecting content for quite a while and it's just kind of been sitting in, in the archives in my in, in my home and uh, I haven't put forth the time to actually load it onto YouTube so um, we're working on that that'll be coming real soon and I'll keep you informed when that actually launches we're really excited about it we've kind of got some things in the works but it's not really out there yet so but yeah I mean thanks guys for sitting in and uh, you know thanks everybody for following along if you want to follow along with uh, us we've got some more stuff that's going on on YouTube uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that. Uh, we got, uh, I'm doing an order of shirts here coming up pretty quick. And, uh, you know, you guys have been great with the, the reviews on iTunes and like whatever platforms. We went from 41 to 44. We've been at 41 since February. So I do really appreciate that. Um, you know, and thanks everybody for following along. And this was a great, uh, I mean, a really really good podcast. I really enjoyed the, the whole thing and I, uh, I hope you guys do, did too. And, uh, thanks for following along. I do appreciate it. So that's all we got for today. legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment through the blackwater bayous and in the dark louisiana night floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of cajun cooking Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.